afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Beer 30 Live. Uh, we have moved. We have moved. I'm sitting here around the table with uh, lovely Mary Bradbury Jones. Hello. With uh, Jamie Whitley. Hello. With Shane Barboy Corsetti. Dig it. And uh, with it. Jamie's, uh, <laughs> Jamie, you brought your brought uh, offspring. I, yes. And, and it's hard to tell because they're so beautiful. You wouldn't expect that somebody like me could, could produce such quality. But uh, Not a chance. I think there's still some question. <laughs> but I, I want it to be known here for two that I can produce quality. So if anybody's struggling in that area, <laughs> I am clearly a known commodity. I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and rack this up to Jamie's wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I am sure that there is extreme quality uh, in me, and, and I can share as uh, you are willing to pay. So anytime. Jamie Whitley on the market. <laughs> Do I hear a dollar? <laughs> Going once, uh, it'd, twice. It'd be the first. It would be the first time Jamie would not have to pay. Oh, oh. ouch! Okay, try the deal. I'm out. Oh my I should, yeah, I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put the mic down. I'm, I'm going. Man, I, I, I just had. I had a tot <laughs> that was so hot I couldn't express my love of that comment. Uh, Where are we, so we have moved. We are. Uh, we moved to the uh, McMinimans establishment. We are at John Barleycorns. Uh, in and Tiger. Thank you, John Barleycorn. Thank you, John Barleycorn. And, uh, and they haven't asked one question about what we're doing here in the corner with all this ridiculous equipment. <laughs> and food. Um, and food. <laughs> all the fried food they serve. We've ordered two of them. Well, man, maybe we ought to tell our listeners a little bit about McMinimins. And if you're not from the Northwest, you're not aware of who they are. I uh, don't know anything about McMinimins, so I think you should do the honors. Do you know about Shane? You probably do. Well, the McMinimum Brothers, and and, and they brew their own beer, and they've got a number of locations around the Portland area. And and a lot of it is is they take old historical buildings and refurbish them, and so everything's like an old bar. We're in an old church. Yeah, we're in an old church. We're in an old church, and they got old old elementary schools and old hotels. and Uh, Old taverns. I I know out in the Hillsborough area they've got an old tavern that they've they've redone, and they have great beer. You know, and they've got the Crystal Ballroom downtown, which is great, too. Right, right. I had no idea this was a church. I've been in here how many times? I'm guessing. I'm just, just, yeah. It's got to be. That's got to be a church. There's no way it's anything but. It's very cool. Very cool. There's something so sort of ecclesiastically appropriate, isn't there, that they would take a church and turn it into a bar? Yes. And I mean, that that liquor is right underneath that that rose window over there. If it was a Catholic church, being Catholic, it's it's very appropriate. It's go time. (laughs) I'm sure the the Baptists are turning over. Yes. Uh, But Uh, the Benhamans does a great job, and they make great beer, and, and it's really good to... To, to expand our horizons yes. a little bit, well, we left the Ram uh, begrudgingly, I think. Well, Pete, you got us thrown out because <laughs> I wanted to share my love for. Them. No, we no. left because it's it's just Their hard location. to get in and out of. Stuff. It's yeah. Yeah, we, it's beautiful. The location is great, really uh, unbeatable, right on the river, and they also have great fried food. Uh, but uh, man, this is so much easier for all of us to yes. get to and to meet and and. Uh, so, All right. that's what we have. we have a we have a guest. We do, and we do. we're very excited about this because he is he is a we got all the beer and yet he is so sobering. Mary, would you like to do the honors? I will. Our our guest today is actually uh, Phil Jones, Philip Jones, my husband. Hello, 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 Phil. Hello, hello. And, um, uh, Phil is working on his doctorate at Portland State University. He is basically ABD at this point. And what is, is wait? You got to explain what that means. ABD, all but doctorate. 
or all but dissertation. dissertation. Yes, so meaning he's done all his classwork. I thought you he's, said ADD. Sorry, yeah. no, <laughs> that too. He is definitely not ADD. Let me just tell you. Um, and he, so he's finished all his coursework. He's passed his written exams, his oral exams, um, and now and has pretty much completed his research um, in the field. Now it's all in the lab as he works through it and then writes his dissertation. Writing, so, writing, writing. What are you so, studying? Uh, evolutionary genetics uh, is a, an umbrella, anyway. Wow. It'll so smarter I mean, than us. It, it, well, no, that kind of goes to us. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, what, it, what does that mean? Give me a practical... Well, I can tell you specifically what I'm studying is like the co-evolution between uh, hantavirus and its host, uh, the deer mouse, uh, specifically kind of here in the west uh, and in the, in the Pacific Northwest uh, even more specifically. Um, and it's, it's something that, uh, that hantavirus is something maybe people have heard of but may not be all that familiar with. Uh, there was, it, it was originally found uh, in uh, North America in 93 down in the Four Corners region uh, when there was a big outbreak uh, and quite a few fatalities. And uh, it was characterized then uh, as being hantavirus, a, a form of hantavirus. Um, without getting too technical, hantavirus is actually a genus uh, and so there are several different types of hantaviruses. And the one they discovered here in the West is Synombre virus, um, the, the name they applied to it anyway down there in that Four Corners region. And um, it's been somewhat assumed that hantavirus was present all throughout North America because its recognized host is pretty ubiquitous throughout North America. Uh, but then uh, it had never been characterized or discovered or anything like that in, in Oregon at all. And you decided to go hunting for it. Yes, I did. That's wow. insane. I spent three years of uh, five days a week before sunrise out in the forest. Looking for deer mice. Yeah, trapping, uh, trapping mice and <laughs> taking blood samples. and t- Aspire, t- aspire t- to greatness. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, do we Rain have, shine. Yeah. Do we have this weird risk of this virus you know, going loose and everybody bleeding from their eyes and dying? Uh, the, you know, the risk is pretty low, and the risk has always been there. It hasn't changed since we discovered it, obviously. It's been there all along. Uh, there have only been eight cases in Oregon to date that have been uh, recognized anyway. Uh, there certainly were more before anyone ever knew anything about hantavirus and what to chalk it up to. Uh, but um, it's it's a fairly low risk. Uh, what happens is is it's contained within uh, any excreta from the mouse, so urine, saliva, blood, feces, anything like that. You're out hiking a trail, or or worse yet, cleaning out your garage or your barn or your attic or your basement or something, and you and reach you, into it. You encounter some droppings, and it actually gets stirred into the air, and okay. and, and becomes aerosolized, and you inhale it. Okay. Uh, in through your lungs, and uh, that's how you contract it. So well, it's so it's terrifying, and I, I don't know how he's not a complete hypochondriac, or maybe he is. We'll have to ask Mary. Yeah, getting worse by getting the day. Getting worse by yeah. the day. <laughs> so we, we are definitely going to talk about that. Let's take uh, let's uh, do the news uh, briefly, and uh, and get back into the meat of terror and fear and mice feces. <laughs> well, speaking Mary. of terror and do, fear, do, let's yes. start. Go ahead, Mary. Uh, well, I think something interesting that has um, kind of hit the... Oh, you want to talk about that first? I mean, you know, it's in the yeah, news. you're right. Oh, you're, yeah. right. you're right. You're yeah. right. You're I'm definitely. just saying. Okay. So we, we, should, we should raise a glass to uh, poor Anna Nicole. Anna Nicole Smith. Anna Nicole, we're sorry we found you. We didn't actually find you. Uh, but we're sorry what you were found, Dad. It really it I is I a tragedy. It ended her. badly. 
It just ended badly. She was a train wreck waiting to happen. Though. Yeah. I mean, really, her whole life is... You know, I'd be interested to see. I haven't looked at it, though. But, you know, she she really idolized Mar- Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there was... You know, when did Marilyn Monroe die? Like, what age... I mean, gosh. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm just wondering if there's some sort of mirror in there. She didn't make it to 40. Marilyn Monroe. Well, and, 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 and of course, 39, yeah. So okay. I'm just saying, I haven't looked, you know. But no, they're making lots. I mean, if yeah. you're reading, you know, in the news right now, they're making lots of comparisons. Yeah. Because yeah. She was very it was similar. bound to happen. It was only a matter of time. Like, yeah. Really, given her well, lifestyle. Well, it's a matter of time well, for all of us. Her life, <laughs> her lifestyle and the recent events of her family and the yeah, just right. catastrophic, you know, when you're living it, I mean, that's just catastrophic. And so and get, whatever know, happened. To me, what is just so, I think, um, sad about the situation is that that loss of the child was so so devastating. Loss of her son her, her mm-hmm. oldest son, was right. so yeah. devastating that she could, you know, she couldn't handle it. And well, and and she's got this baby that's five yeah. months old. But obviously, well, and a, a baby, that, a baby that they don't know, you know, who the father is, or there's d- well, debate yeah. about who the father is. But I mean, it would be hard to lose your child like oh. that, and and it's only been a few months since that happened. Yeah. And, uh, well, and didn't he die right as the new baby yeah. was born yes, too? Exactly. In so, the hospital uh, with her. Yeah. So. So whatever happened, but you know, Anna Nicole, our condolences to, our condolences to those who, to the know, Nicole Smiths, to the Nicole Smiths. Hey, all right, on to so, happier things. On to happier things. What about these Democrats wanting huge planes to fly between okay, the East Coast and the West Coast? Okay, what I is knew that you were going to bring Here comes up. the finger. Did you notice that? Oh, there the it comes. Finger <laughs> okay, go ahead, set it up. So I well, can knock no, it down. tell me about what, what's her name? Pelosi okay. wanting this big giant plane. No, what's she, her she name? Pelosi. Not. Look at no, you. She not. She okay. wants a big plane to fly back and forth from the East Coast no. and the West Coast. She wants like concierge service. And, and now uh, Miss Pelosi's publicist, isn't, Mary isn't Bradbury she, Jones. Isn't she the second in command? She's the third. Well, after okay. Vice President right. and then her, right? right? Okay, and Denny Hassert had the same thing. This all started after 9-11. The House Sergeant of Arms, who was a bipartisan position, this is their job, You know, went to Denny Hassert at the time and said, Oh, no, not my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and said... The sergeant at arms said, okay, oh, no, not my phone. Not my phone. Sorry, my phone was ringing. Um, anyway, went to Denny Hassard, and because of 9-11 and being third person in line, that they had to start having security whenever okay. he flew back and forth, right? right? So he would fly back and forth nonstop from D.C. to Illinois. Now, when Pelosi uh, became speaker, House of Sergeant of Arms went and Sar said, we got to set this up for you. And one of the issues with security is going down to refuel for gasoline. And if you're going to take down a plane, your your best opportunity to do it is at right. landing take off and takeoff, right. not flying right. at 40,000 or 30,000 feet. So what they said it what they set up was you've got to have a plane that can go from Washington all the way to California without touching down. It was not Pelosi asking for it, demanding for it any of that. But of course, right-wing media is all over the place accusing her of being Big big money and Democrat, you know, in her defense, money, wasting I, I, money. I, I think it's overblown, and I think they're trying to make her out as some kind of scapegoat. And I don't think she's probably she probably hasn't done anything wrong. But. And I mean, hello, Condi Rice flies on those things, and and what does it hurt us if she gets killed? I mean, no offense. <laughs> Whoa! Wow. What I mean is your liberal she, spin she, on it she, makes it seem so sage and wise. Yeah. Meaning she's that not was a very in, compassionate. She does not have a direct line to being the president. So meaning. Why? I mean, she's not a person that most likely anybody would want to try to take her plane down. Right. 
Yeah, I, I, I think it is overblown, and I think the, the right is trying to spin something that's really not there in the overall Yes, statement. and... Well, you can tell, because their statements are all like, if you give Pelosi a plane, it's going to be covered with shackles on the wall and lots of leather and vinyl everywhere, because that's the kind of lifestyle she lives in her fruity California. How do you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. And that's wrong? Of course, I've never been to your basement either. Yeah. <laughs> and that's wrong. Uh, you were pointed at shade when you said that, of course. Uh, <laughs> All right, so what else is going on in the news, Mary? That's it. That's all. Well, That's all what else? Well, that was the big news. You know, I had a big sure. one. I got a big one. I was one. responding to oh. Jamie. I wasn't. Well, Mary, you want to go ahead? No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to bring up the, the John Amici, the NBA player, yeah. who came out of the closet. He was, he's, you know, he's a retired basketball player in the NBA, and he came out as the first NBA player as a gay he was male. Lanced. Yeah. He was lanced. In many ways. Well, so what are the implications own, right? of that? He did. He came out as well. You know, he's he's writing a book, and of course, in the book, he talks about coming out. But but the idea is, is he going to name other players? No, he's not going to do that. It's it's more My of my love affair with Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it, very courageous for a male athlete to come out in in this very testosterone driven environment. Um, he's only the second one in a four in the in, of the four major sports. To come out, and that was, you know, an NFL player who actually went to Oregon State. Dude, I'm not, um, I, I, I would argue that it's not a lot of courage. I, uh, honestly, he was a journeyman player. Only played for like four years. He's like he played eight years. He had an eight year career. And he's like forty oh, years on, old. Jay. He never made a lot, a lot of money. I mean, so it could be just publicity. So, uh, but, but he makes a lot of money. He made a lot of money as an NBA player. Why would this? How would this further his career to do this? But as a journeyman player, he probably didn't make tons and tons. Yeah, it's, what's the minimum salary? Two point three million a year for an NBA player. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't think. It's but what I'm, you know, I understand I, what you're saying. It's it's a huge step. So you know, I, isn't it a big step? I think it's. I think it's a, think big, it's a step big step. For no any matter man what, to come out and say something like yeah. that. It is, but I mean, in a, you know, in an American society where it's, you know, I'm a tough guy. I play sports. Don't touch what me. Did you, wait, what did you say? How many professional athletes have come out? He's the second. And let me in, tell you, there's of the more four, than just two of the four major sports. Of the four major sports, so right. basketball, lacrosse, so field player. hockey, some football player, and uh, right. you know squash. he had a six-year career. So I don't only on the East Coast for you preppy boys, where you play squash and, and, and lawn darts and all that stuff. Field yeah. hockey, yeah, exactly. Hello, rugby. Yeah. We're polos like the rugby big giant is not thing. a yeah, rugby. Sport. As a tough, Let's I, I never say. actually played rugby, well, but I know many tough East Coasters who played rugby. Yeah, that's a tough. That's, yeah. that is not. Yeah, you don't play yeah. rugby in knickers like you guys are playing lawn darts over there at your private prepping school. That's true. Coast. God, I love lawn How darts. How you just take yes. this so well? Well, because he has to. I mean, he has nothing yeah. to back up. All right, I want right, to talk so, about yeah. Obama for a second because okay. he's clean. Uh, it, it, oh, yeah. Yes, he's fresh. Joe yeah. Biden, Here's way to go. You're going to announce your, your presidency, your run for presidency by saying that one of your opponents yeah. is clean. Yeah, well, one, <laughs> of, one of them's clean and articulate <laughs> yes, and a storybook, exactly. man. Oh, so, and uh, one it? of them's an idiot. What the other it? one's another idiot. I mean, right. Joe, come on. What does it mean when someone's articulate? I, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. Are they welcome at this table? However, when you're talking about an African American, what does it mean when they're articulate? Does that I mean that they're liked clean. by America? Here, here, here's you know? where I was going with this. So I'm very disappointed in the left talking about Obama, who, who, who now, is wait, a, whoa, a whoa, whoa, whoa. Not, who I shouldn't the say left? the whole left, but there, but there are certain people who, who is a legitimate candidate and, and appears to have a lot of good qualifications. And, and people standing up in the Afri-American, African-American community and saying things like, well, he's not black enough. 
is the exact quote. Yeah. And I'm looking at that thinking, so now is there a litmus test for, for knowing how black you're supposed to be or white you're and supposed what, to be? And tell the audience who said that. It's like Jesse Jackson and, and uh, Al Sharpton and, and, and those folks. It's, it's just, quite frankly, it's disgusting to try and measure somebody on that scale and, and somehow somehow say, well, they don't represent me because they're not enough of a certain thing like that. It's just, it's crazy. Well, I, I mean, I would agree me with that, but, and I will also say, though, that those two, those two individuals do not represent, I mean, they are not the left. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, well, Jesse not. Jackson's I mean, a very popular figure, and... and Know, yeah, just, but being very, very popular and being representative of the left and it's, not it's, some yeah, whack job. Yeah, it's just very frustrating yeah. to me. That's but no, I mean, I would agree. And if I was Barack Obama or an African American in this country, I would be frustrated would be by offended. a statement like that. Yeah, yeah. I'd be so, offended. Truly. So, but I, you know, by the same token, I, yeah, <coughs> you, uh, back to Biden, uh, Hillary Clinton would uh, was, you know, he said some rude things about her. He says rude things about about Edwards. I mean, the, he's always you know, been that way. He's yeah. always yeah. been. He's, he's abrasive <laughs> and, and rude. So. Honestly, I'm trying to figure out who, who from the from the Republican Party is legitimately going to run for president. I mean, there yeah. really aren't any strong candidates. Well, not yet. You'll have more. Senator McCain fell asleep during the President's State of the Union yeah. address. I mean, <laughs> come on. Well, it's he, not looking he's good. He's been past Bush's Rolodex, so he's most likely the man they're propping up man, to be your candidate. I don't so. know. It's just... Anyway. Edwards buys his huge house. I'm for the people, and they buys like you know one of the most expensive houses mm-hmm. in the world. I mean, yes, he's well, really is. He's hey, helping on, the working poor. You know how it works with taxes. If you sell one house and you got to turn around, you got to eventually, within a certain period of time, buy a house that move that, up in the world. Well, you've so. got to use that money, or you have to be taxed on it. Yeah. He's not doing anything different than any other, you know, individual who's made money and made money on their houses. I mean, that doesn't make him a bad guy just because he bought a big house. No, but it sends a bad signal. It, it, it looks bad Why? to the common folks because then you can't really relate as well. You should buy a little tiny shack. In the because the common folks, because common folks probably don't understand the concept of a 1038 exchange. You know, I mean, it's these, well, but, the tax implications are lost on the vast majority of people so, who so aren't you, invested so at, in real estate. Okay, okay, but you look at one act buying the house and not the other 35 acts that show and yeah. prove how he is for well, the working is, poor. I mean, give me a break. But but that is true, and we we focus on one negative thing. Right. Well, the media does that to us with their the, constant drilling. That's drilling. our role. Well, Propaganda. it's the vast right-wing <laughs> conspiracy. Oh, we are. We are? Look at you. Oh, you're yeah. you're all media. Conspiracy. Okay, so speaking of right-wing conspiracies, we got to talk about the Super Bowl. Oh. First okay. of all, what? was that an what? underwhelming, lousy game? I liked it. I liked the game. Really? Good game. Uh, I liked yes. watching Rex Grossman just wilt under pressure. I was happy to see him do that, too, because, you know, yeah. he's the only quarterback in the history of the NFL to come out of a game with a negative quarterback rating. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to be, you know, I'm interested to see if we go back to the uh, the New Year's show yeah. and we made predictions. I can't remember what who I predicted. Uh, I predicted Indianapolis. I think I did, too, but I said Saints in there as well. I had Barrett It'd be nice Solis. to go we'll back. We'll have to go see. back and find that. I, I said the Colorado Avalanche, so. <laughs> but. And that shows your. Well, I actually right. I actually yeah. manned up this year, and I watched the whole game and and the seven hours of but pregame Pete, footage. But you watched I, it for the <laughs> commercials. No, I didn't actually. Mr. But speaking Media of, yeah, the commercials the sucked. sucked. Not You're only did they horrible. suck, they were terrifying and disturbing on many levels, except for the rock, paper, scissors I still one. have nightmares about that whole Snickers thing. I do, man. Snickers and the GM thing where the poor robot commits suicide, oh, yeah. throws itself off a bridge. Oh, yeah. give oh, me a break. It's a robot. 
I like the beard. I like the beard. Well, you, yeah, that was good. But, yeah. That was but yeah, good. the whole Snickers thing, I'm not even. Ugh. Okay, no, but, Shane but, had a the, problem with the the halftime show too. I did too. Why? Well, because because last year when we had the Paul McCartney, we didn't have a boob. I mean, okay, well the year before, whatever it was, there are never had, enough boobs in the no, halftime when show. When we had the wardrobe malfunction, there was definitely a boob. There, there was this whole big thing, and people we had we had congressional meetings and all hearings and. Well, we're going to tape delay everything, and blah, 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 blah. And then we have Prince up there with his guitar and, and face it, phallic symbol, and, and nobody really said anything. Well, and that's the whole point. I'm this like, article what? is about people saying something, the controversy that's brewing over Prince and, and, and what I like to affectionately call guitar penis gate <laughs> after Nipplegate two years ago. The... The issue that I have, I mean, they have this picture. Jamie brought up the penis, you know, being this this whole phallic thing. Well, we have to two shows ago. Seriously, (laughs) the issue with Prince is, gosh, you put Prince on stage, and now you're surprised that the guy is exuding sexuality. Why would you? He did what he Because he has exuded sexuality for the last thirty years of his music career. This guy is known. He is known for taking his clothes off on stage. This was tame. So give me a break. My my beef was play your own dang music. He's got, I mean, a massive catalog of music, he and he did, a, he did a lot of covers. Everybody, yeah. you playing everybody's covers. But you know, the guy's 48 years old, and he plays every bit as well as he did when he was 25. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, th- that was an awesome he show. I mean, he awesome. really he does. Good. He was awesome. I don't know what the... It, what he did was really no different than, than the wardrobe malfunction. I don't know what the big beef's about it. It just, it's crazy to me that we... You notice it was not MTV Productions that it's produced the thing. Okay, Every, it still I, I came out. I've got one more headline I want to get in okay. before we're moving on. Just because oh, this man. is, um, I, you know, this was interesting that we now have um, that we've discovered that Iran in 2003 approached our, our administration and they offered to essentially, you know, take care of Hezbollah, work towards peace with Israel and Palestine, take a major role in Iraq helping to solve the issues there and stop their nuclear program if we would recognize them and be allies with them. And our administration said no. That's not surprising. Because you know how that discussion went. It was, okay, Iran's Iran's coming to the table and they want to be friends. And we say, you know, it's really risky to be friends because if we're friends, then that creates another sort of renewed sense of stability in the Middle East. And really, we benefit far more like with that. having instability in the Middle East. That's, come on, we that's can't rape. We can't, we can't sit and, 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 and show up. Of all people, yeah. you, Whitley, are calling no, me cynical? No. <laughs> what, no, I think that's a very cynical view. I think what it is is, is Bush is, is driven by ideology, and it's just out of pure ideology. He can't do that. It's not about creating instability for his own long-term gain or whatever. It's he, he, Are you he kidding? can't recognize Is that them. a joke? Is there a punchline? No, I'm serious. What about the it's, fact that Iran was moving towards democracy before Bush put them into the axis of evil and and alienated them and ostracized them and, and pushed them further to the radical ideology that they're I, I don't, now? I honestly don't think it was about trying to create instability. He, he sees things in such black and white terms that there's no gray, and it, you're either for us or against us type of thing. And so I, I really don't think it's about stability or instability. It's it's truly for him a almost a, a religious zealous, you're either on this oh, side or that side. I think and it's very much a religious zealotry that's coming out, absolutely, categorically. He doesn't see the middle. 
Uh, I don't think he's capable of seeing the middle. I think politically he's capable of seeing the middle, but he doesn't operate politically. Absolutely. He's, it's all about... Well, and what about his administration? I mean, you know, Bob hmm. Ney went to Karl Rove. They had a huge fight over this. And, you know, Bob Ney, obviously, being a person who used to live in Iran, speaks Farsi. You know, Bob Ney was trying to push Karl Rove. we got to go to the table with these folks. Diplomacy is the answer. They don't want diplomacy because you don't make money off of diplomacy. Well, I, I don't know if that's it. I don't know. Well, I guess we have to move on. We do have to move on. But okay, anyway, been, and, oh you know, goodness. and, and the you, board can, is you up. can't pull up with a truck full of cash <clears throat> and just throw it out to contractors like they did. And now we have a missing $12 billion You in could Iraq. to me. Man, I wish I'd have been there. <laughs> I'd be following that truck. And mind you, mind you, none of our soldiers got the cash, only the contractors who make about in one month what a soldier makes in a year. Yeah, no, I know. And they support the troops. Okay, I'm off my rant. I know. I've thought about it. I had to figure out how to move there and work for a year. And get Honest to God. Uh, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. I mean, you can make about fifteen, twenty thousand bucks 20000 a month. Sign me up. And you don't pay taxes on it. Okay. Do you see what he's doing, he Shane, is. our I producer? Know. He's spazzing out yeah, over here. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> All, right, All because you and your last word syndrome here. Sorry. Liberal last wordism. That was a joke. I'm trying to hit with her. Yeah. So we're yeah, moving on. we got to talk about we got to talk about this. I... So tell Phil, you started talking about it a little we, bit earlier. Tell us about the uh, the role of your research. What is the the? How'd you get into this, and what does it mean for you? What are you solve? What world problem are you solving here <laughs> yeah. for us? No pressure. Uh, um, <laughs> and so, when will we know you're done? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, to start with the beginning of that, how I got into this, this particular exact subject, I kind of fell into it a little bit. I originally. I've always been interested in kind of uh, host-parasite kind of relationships, evolutionarily and that kind of thing. Um, and I came here with the idea of studying uh, this thing called whirling disease in salmonids that affects salmon and trout and, and has wiped out trout populations all through uh, the Rocky Mountains and the western U.S. Whirling disease. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> and... Um, it just so happened through a whole litany of events that I, it turned out that the guy I was going to study with left the university and I wasn't able to, to pursue that route. And so I found this uh, <clears throat> alternative where I was able to stick with that kind of host-parasite kind of relationship uh, and study this uh, with my current boss, Dr. Luis Ruedas at Portland State. Sorry. And um, just from there, just took off with it. He, he had studied with uh, uh, University of New Mexico and then was with the CDC uh, when those original uh, hantavirus outbreaks occurred and was, you know, neck deep in Well, and, and I think that you, need, you, know, you need to expand on that. I mean, down in New Mexico, it was something like, what, 15 to 18 young people just oh, dropped dead one I remember day. that. I mean, like, it was. Yeah, the, a reservation or it something. Was, yeah. It was. Yeah. Uh, quite a few of them were, the first ones were Native Americans. Yeah. And uh, they were actually at their, their high school, I, I don't want to say Prom, but one of their dances anyway, yeah. and and one uh, young man actually literally fell over on the dance floor, um, and and he was a, a cross country runner, very very fit, uh, very healthy young man, and turned out he had uh, this new type of hantavirus, and and he ultimately died. He was the first casualty from it. How does it manifest in people? Like what is it, what um, well, ultimately, the, the disease that it creates is called hantavirus pulmonary syndrome. At least that's in the Western Hemisphere. It creates a different disease uh, in the Eastern Hemisphere because there are slightly uh, different viruses. 
Um, so what it does is you start out with some flu symptoms, uh, and then within 24 hours you get this pulmonary edema, essentially where the capillary network in your lungs uh, becomes very, very leaky, and you very, very rapidly basically drown in your own cellular fluid. Lovely. Within a day or so. Within a day. Do you worry At- about catching this with all the mice you're picking Absolutely. up and stuff? Well, we take you know great precaution, very great pr- precaution. Um, you're in the full bunny suit, the hazmat. Yeah, stuff. yeah. It's kind of it's it's kind of you know uh, funny stories of, of all the field work we do out uh, you know collecting the mice and drawing blood samples where we're being directly exposed to it uh, as we're handling the mice. Uh, we're out there wearing suits and respirators and all of that in the middle of the woods, you know, when a hiker happens by and <laughs> they tend to pick up their pace when they see us sitting off. <laughs> Over under a tree uh, in these hazmat suits <laughs> and respirators. So, uh. do we do we as common folks at home have anything to worry about? We well, a, we find a you know you get a, a mouse in your kitchen and yeah, and, you, I mean you come across droppings and and you definitely want to take precaution. In that, you know, the standard approach of sweeping and that kind of thing is is the last thing you should ever do because that's going to stir it into the air where you're going to inhale it. Um, so what you want to do is actually spray it down with bleach water, let it soak in for a couple of minutes, and then just wipe it up and, and throw those uh, paper towels, for instance, that you wipe that up with into a Ziploc uh, bag, seal that up, and, and send it off into the trash. Um, you know, and, and it, that's really all you need to do for the most part. You know, often people are... Uh, exposed to it in cleaning out barns and garages and things, like I said before, when they're sweeping up and cleaning up and not even thinking about it. So what are we accomplishing by studying this? Uh, A cure for it? Well, so far, um, vaccines, for instance, those, you know, vaccines being uh, drugs that are administered sort of pre-exposure that will uh, set up your immune system to give you resistance to this uh, will... Um, actually, so far to this point, vaccines have been uh, ineffective for hantavirus. And what's, uh, what's the looking, mortality rate now? The mortality rate is about 40%. Uh, when they first discovered it uh, in 93, 94, it was up around 80% of every person that contracted it was passing away. Um, was that because uh, lack of health care where it was caught? It, no, it's more so really a lack of recognition from the health care uh, people that, that just didn't know what they were coming up against and, and cause, because it was not known in the Western Hemisphere at all. So what and that says, because if you it catch starts it, off with the common cold. So yeah, you right, so yeah, the actually, person doesn't think to go to yeah. the hospital or call a doctor Well, now I'm either. all freaked out. So if I start having a little sniffle or something and a, <laughs> you know, and, and a headache and... Am I screwed? I mean, Headache, myalgia, high fever, those kinds of things are the early symptoms of it, which are very flu-like symptoms. And so, yeah. you know, that's where that can be misleading. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's the risk that's there is you think you've just got the flu and a day later uh, you're, you're at death's door. Yeah. And now you guys, how many how many parts around the city, where, where all did you guys trap and collect mice? We uh, collected specimens from five specific locations very intensively around the Portland metro uh, in green spaces where uh, people are, are ordinar- ordinarily going out and hiking and that kind of thing and, and getting out into nature. So we were at Forest Park uh, with a location there, and we had one at Trying Creek State Park. Um, These are all places where you found it? Yes. Every spot. In Forest it, Park. It? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, a lot. In so if park. I if I have somebody who I don't like a whole lot, Send could them to I Forest park capture some mice and drop them <laughs> off at their place? I mean, uh, I'm not going to condone that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, that's fair enough. Okay, so you, you said you had five places. Yeah. i got to hear them all because I think one of them's by my house. Well, uh, your, your basement. As I mentioned before, it really is everywhere. Yeah. So, wow. Know. 
you know, so I'm not don't want to create a, a scare here, but. Um, uh, it, Forest Park, Trying Creek State Park, where the two I already mentioned. Uh, Twalton River National Wildlife Refuge down uh, near Sherwood in that area um, is where we had another one of our sites. Um, we also had uh, at the top of Powell Butte. Uh, a lot of people spend a lot of time out at Powell Butte hiking wow. and biking. Oh, but I'm, I, um, I'm sorry. It's okay. Well, I'm thinking about New Mexico, and, and you're talking about it becoming airborne. So uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about that hot dry environment where there's more dust mm, yeah. versus here in Oregon Excellent where we don't have that Excellent point. That, that may be contributed. Absolutely, yeah. and that's why they have so many more cases in the southwest than we do here. Yeah, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've only had like eight cases here in the Pacific Northwest. Because of our wet environment, it tends to keep it down. Yeah. Not to mention that in that moist environment, you have more bacteria living as well, which, um, without going into, the, into specifics, uh, actually release these uh, compounds into their little micro environment around them and actually break down things like that. And so they actually help us out in that, in yeah. that regard. Uh, well, with global warming, then it's only a matter of time before it spreads yeah. here. Until we dry problem. out and we're yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. We're yeah. And now, doesn't it doesn't it behoove the mouse to actually have coronavirus? Well, the, yeah. Um, it, it's really? been shown that um, any mammal can catch it. But uh, humans are the only species that are adversely affected by it, where it's ac- actually pathogenic. Well, isn't that just typical? Yeah, yeah. You know, what? your dog, your cat, or whatever goes out and encounters this in the wild, they're, they're going to um, expel it from their system through their immunity pretty rapidly within a day or two. Um, it turns out there's some preliminary research anyway that the deer mice are actually healthier with it. Uh, they can't really pin down the exact genetics at this point yet, but they actually have improved improved respiratory function uh, and and increased as a result of that increased muscle mass and that kind of thing uh, where then they have longer uh, longevity in the, in the wild and all that kind of thing as a result of carrying the hantavirus because when they um, contract it from one of their neighbors they, they carry it for life uh, they never do actually get rid of it so they become a lifelong wow, reservoir for the virus did you did you say earlier before we came on the, the air we I know part of your background is is evolution and those sorts of things. And so, how does this? I mean, where does this come from over a period of time? And, and the virus itself. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the the name Hantavirus comes from the Hantan River Valley in Korea, where it was first discovered. It was, in fact, uh, during the Korean War, we had a lot of soldiers die from this uh, renal syndrome, where the kidneys were shutting down on on these soldiers, and we didn't know why. Uh, and, and that it, was the hantavirus? And it was a hantavirus uh, that is this strain that resides in southeastern Asia. And uh, the, the virus was named for then from the Hantan Valley, became hantavirus. And, and the, uh, the research is showing, and that's part of what I'm doing, is that the, um, as rodents, uh, to, to use just a common term, moved up through uh, the Siberian region and across the Bering Land Bridge, you know, roughly about 10 to 12 million years ago and into North America. We didn't have rodents in North America 10 to 12 million years ago. As they moved over into North America, they brought the hantavirus along with them. Hmm. And then they're moving into this new region where there are no rodents and they, over, you know, of course, thousands and millions of years, radiate into all these new species carrying the virus with them. And the virus itself also differentiates into new strains of the virus. Um, but there are as many as about 36 different strains of hantavirus in the Western Hemisphere that have been characterized to this point, uh, with uh, somewhere in the mid-20s or so of those that are actually pathogenic to humans. So there are actually some hantavirus strains that don't cause disease, and we really don't even know why yet. 
Now, and you, okay, if I toot your horn, that you guys have possibly found a new strain of the virus. That's what it's looking like. Uh, through the sequencing that I'm doing of uh, the genetics of the virus itself, um, it's looking like it's probably a new strain that has not yet been characterized. We've obviously had some uh, fatalities here in Oregon from it. Uh, there was actually an English professor at PSU, of all places, that, that died from it uh, back in 97. And uh, what about the gal in the south? Uh, south is a little bit of South not Oregon, to speak like by Salem. That's anything that, about their education. Right? That, that, the case I worked on. Yeah, the case you worked on. No, that was actually in, in Washington County. Oh, it was? I yeah. didn't wow. know. Okay, I was yeah. wrong on that. So There, go there ahead. was a case, um, that was about two years ago now, um, a year and a half ago actually, uh, in Washington County, uh, where someone contracted Hantavirus, and uh, she actually survived, which is a great thing. But you need to yeah. tell um, why. I mean, who found? I mean, it was Lori that discovered. Yeah, actually, my field partner, who is do, studying sort of a different aspect of this, she's not doing the genetics of it, but looking more at uh, ecology and biodiversity and how that affects this, which is it's a really interesting aspect. I um, don't know if we'll have time for that, but um, she was working for the state health lab, Oregon State Health Lab, there on the PSU campus, and had. Uh, these blood samples come through from this patient, and everyone had assumed that she had caught SARS at the time. This was kind of around mm-hmm. the time of the big SARS scare. And um, she thought, no, this doesn't look like SARS from uh, you know the, the description of her symptoms and all of that kind of thing. And she t- decided to do some testing. Turned out she had hantavirus. Wow. And uh, wow. so <clears throat> she was in the hospital already at that point. They were already treating her, so uh, they were able to bring her around and she survived, although there's not any specific treatment for it in terms of antivirals and that kind yeah. of thing. When we're talking about things like this, so one of the big things is this bird flu virus, and we're waiting for the migratory birds to come through and, and 50% of us to drop dead within three days. I mean, is that reality? Is no, that- way overblown, way overblown. I mean, of course there's a very, very minor risk there, um, but, uh, you know, as you're probably aware, you know, this kind of bird flu originates pretty regularly within a lot of these bird populations in Southeast Asia, again, as it turns out, because of the way that they keep their, uh, as it turns out, like duck and chicken uh, populations uh, that are like semi-domesticated for their food sources. Um, and there's, you know, it takes a very specific mutation for that virus to, to be a, a pathogenic to humans. And so it's a fairly rare thing for that to occur. And that one particular strain was definitely of great risk to humans, as it turned out. Um, but it, uh, you know, as we've seen in the media, stayed very localized in Southeast Asia. It, n- it never made it over. Uh, and how many died from it? I mean, it was really a small number if you think about the population of, of uh, China, where China, it was, where it was found. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it was really, a very small, really small number. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean... If you were to contract it, yes, your risk was very great. But you had to be but dealing with birds. But your risk of exposure was yeah. so low. Yeah. But the, the, the it made cons- a great story. The, the concern yeah. is though that is that the, it's going to mutate at some point, and then it, it, it mutates every year. Every every form of flu that we have uh, every year, we you know the new flu that's coming around. You caught flu yet this year? Did you get your vaccine for the flu this year? It's always a new type of flu. That has come out of this same environment. The We're going to be okay, though, right? Because I, 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 Iran is announcing all the time that they've solved all these world problems with some kind of new 
Pure, new I mean, science, yes. yes. Maybe we should talk to him. We should yes. talk to him. <laughs> well, I, I'm curious, Phil. I mean, what's in terms of your research? You're writing your dissertation right now on this research. And what's next for you? And how does this fit in? I mean, what's next in your career? Do you, you, do you move to the CDC? I mean, is yeah, that the question. kind of stuff that you're doing? Or, or uh, once you're flu in you. <laughs> once you're a doctor, you just you know. All of a sudden, your value is only in picking up mouse poop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the unfortunate part of getting your, your, getting your uh, pilot higher and deeper. You know, yeah, is, is you get definitely uh, locked into a niche. But um, the CDC and and public health is definitely one avenue I could take, uh, whether it's with a state health lab or something like that. I'm not really that interested in moving to Atlanta yeah. uh, to work for the CDC. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no offense to Atlanta, but right, no, right. none, none yes. whatsoever. But that, uh, you know, I'm here in the Northwest; here. it's yeah. just vastly different. <laughs> uh, and uh, so that's definitely one he- route to stay into public health. Um, I have found through this whole process that I really, really enjoy teaching mm-hmm. um, because I've been in that role as well uh, while I work on my research. And uh, uh, so that's another route I, I would be very interested in, in taking. In fact, that's probably going to be the, the path that I will pursue the heaviest, is to stay in education and academia. Um, and then there's also uh, more for government agency sort of uh, conservation biology kind of aspect with it. Mm-hmm. And that relates itself a little bit more to what my partner was studying uh, with the biodiversity aspects of, of what makes hantavirus more prevalent and that kind of thing. And, and, and so really isn't kind of the point uh, with in her research or with biodiversity is that you know the, these animals that carry these types of virus, whether it's hantavirus this time or bird, you know something else. But that there is a real reason for why we want to keep green spaces around our 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 areas of our communities, so that the animals stay there versus moving in with us. Or, oh, well, that comes back that's to close. the environment for you. That, that's really close. Uh, but but, but we, really, is what her research has really borne out uh, is that. Um, what we're discovering is that because of the nature of, of deer mice themselves, they are so ubiquitous and, and so um, evolutionarily sort of strong and, and healthy and that, and that they can survive in, in just a vast array of environments. Mm-hmm. Um, that when, when you go in and you degrade a particular habitat somewhere, um, it, that tends to eradicate the vast majority of species that are already there in a naturally functioning ecosystem, which keeps these kinds of things, diseases and those sorts of things, in equilibrium. Um, so then as, as, you, as you alter this environment and those other species move out, um, the deer mice tend to take over. They actually explode in population because there's all these new niches now and new space where they can just fill in. And so the, the higher their population density becomes, the more they exchange the virus within their population and the higher percentage of infection rate you have in that population of mice, thereby increasing your chances of exposure to an infected mouse or the droppings of an infected mouse. Oh and so that, that's really a really, really exciting aspect. It's a little... Uh, little less boring than my, than my side of it, frankly. No, that, it's very that, cool. that is so directly applicable yeah. to our yeah. daily lives yeah. and, cool. and the way we uh, you know interact with the world. That that it's it's really showing out scientifically that the way we take care of the environment can come back and affect us in actual direct disease forms. Uh, yes or no, uh, Al Gore Nobel Prize. Yes. Okay. Can I first we're, can we're, I talk no, about that? For, you, you, don't, to, you don't get to no, because you're all red state no, and everything. I have to say this, I though. 
you can nominate anybody for a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> so you could have nominated me for a oh, Nobel Peace Prize. I did nominate you. I'm sure you did. So I, congratulations to Al Gore and Rush Limbaugh and everybody else that got, <laughs> that got nominated. Rush got a Nobel. Okay, okay, okay. I opened the can you know? of words. Right. i got to close it. We're with, with Phil Jones, and, and we I know we have to get going. Okay. Bar Boy is like holding up the big signs. Bar Boy's the man. He's, he's, One last question before we go. Yeah. Can you come back and talk about evolution sometime? Absolutely. I'd love to. I know we'd like We've talked and about Yeah, that's the other side of your yes. And work. Phil, will, Phil will actually bring, when he does that, a textbook that he received from some, were they Jehovah Witnesses in our area? Yes. Yes. That stopped by our house one day. Phil uh, invited them in. And of course they had he did. <laughs> quite oh, that a conversation. Awesome. Oh, that's and they a beautiful gave him story. The science textbook that they use that is in their school. Awesome. Yeah. Um, we and need to we'll do bring that. it, yeah. and you guys we can need, take We a need look. to do that right away. I mean, oh, that's so, beautiful. That's yeah. interesting. It's, yeah. uh, that is beautiful. We are uh, Beer 30 yeah. Live with Phil Jones, and it's, it's time. It is time. It is time. Thank time. you, everybody, for listening. We've got a few, uh, let's see, what other announcements Wrap do we up. have? We, uh, you can find us at Beer30Live.com. You can write to us at the show at Beer30Live.com. You can buy our swag uh, on Beer30Live.com. Jamie, looking good in olive today. Yes, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we need to get some We do. I need yeah. to look into long sleeve. Um, uh, email us. We, we want those. Yes, definitely email us. Uh, Pete or Mary or Jamie or Shane at Beer30Live.com. Bam! Anything else. Subscribe to the show. Yeah, yeah. definitely subscribe to the show. You can find us at iTunes just do a search for Beer30Live.com or that link is on our website. And uh, I think with that, we're out. Bye-bye, everybody. What are we talking about? What about yes, let's escalation. talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have a guest. Well, do <laughs> Did you hear? Oh. We have a guest. Oh. I'm in competitive drinking competition tomorrow. You are? Drinking what? Hot beer. Oh. So I'm kind of in training. You are. You gotta, gotta stretch <laughs> so out. After this, I'm gonna eat some wings and drink beer. <laughs>